This is Incredible Stories Podcast, Episode 20, The Pink Gang of India. Hello, Internet peoples. It's time for another Incredible Stories podcast. I'm Josh Virla, your Shishi host, and thanks for being here. Today, I want to take you to the faraway land of elephants and curry. That's right, India. A land ancient and exotic with a complicated history and caste system. It has recently given rise to an interesting, nay, incredible group of people. The Galabi Gang, known for its distinct pink saris and its own brand of street justice, has been creating quite a stir in India. Rocking boats and shaming evildoers is their calling card. Here's what I know. The Galabi Gang, and that's spelled G-U-L-A-B-I, means pink in Hindi. And this gang was first conceptualized in 2002 by Sampat Pal Devi, but not officially created in name until 2006. You see, in 2002, Sampat was walking home one night and heard through the grapevine that one of her friends had been beaten by her husband after a night of drinking. Her husband's drinking, not hers. The police refused to help, so she decided to confront the husband herself. In doing so, she too was abused. Well, not to give up, the plucky and determined Sampat rounded up some like-minded neighbors and went back to the husband's house and promptly gave him a public thrashing. This vigilante justice squad really gets my Batman juices flowing. Now, vigilante groups are not without their critics, and to be sure, they can create some issues. But before I go deeper into that and the Gulabi group, let's talk a little bit more about India and their culture. And a lot of the Indian culture is embedded deep in the caste system, which is still largely observed in Indian society today. So here's how that works. Think of a pyramid, and at the top of the pyramid are the gods, Hindu gods in this case, obviously. And below the gods were the mortals, which formed a four-tiered caste system. And this caste system is really like a social system that intertwines largely with Hindu beliefs, such as karma and reincarnation, also the concept of dharma. Now, according to this system, you are born into it. So there's no mobility, really. Classes tend to not intermarry. And if you're a lower class, you don't move up socially into a higher class, and vice versa. Although, if you do good in your moral duty, aka your dharma, in the class in which you're born into, when you die, you might be reincarnated into a higher class. Good karma, right? Don't do your duty and have bad karma, you may move down in the caste system. And nobody wants that. So here are the classes, and to note, these are thousands of years old. So in modern times, you're most likely a descendant of somebody in the original group of people who made up the classes. But those classes are the Brahmins, which were the priests. And, you know, I'm going to mess up 
pronunciations in this, obviously, so don't get too offended if I do. But below the Brahmins were the Shitras, and they are the warrior class. And then under them, there were the Vayas, and those were landowners, merchants, skilled laborers, you know, those type of people. And then below them were the Sudras, servants, peasants, unskilled workers. Now that's the four-tiered system, but there is this fifth group called the Herajans, or you may have heard the term the Untouchables. That's this group of people. They are not part of the caste system per se, and yet they are kind of a part of it all. They are outsiders, the undesirables of society. This group of people are also known as the Dalits, and they are outside the four castes. Think of it like this. If there were four basketball teams on the playground, and these four teams were picking standers by to be on their teams, one by one they would select people. But they refused to pick people who wouldn't be good on a basketball team, like short people, people with no arms, etc. These leftover groups of misfits would be untouchables, a team of undesirables left to form their own team on the sidelines, forced to just watch. This group is the Dalits, the outcasts. So in Indian society, these people usually do menial and undesirable type of jobs like removing of dead bodies, cleaning up feces, leather work, etc. These people are looked down upon by Indian society as a whole, and often crimes against them are ignored. So the caste system is very discriminatory, but it does provide a lot of order. It gives everyone a purpose or expectation of society duties. Of course, this is a complex topic, and I just quickly tried to summarize it, but if I got anything wrong, I apologize. Any Indian listeners, feel free to correct me. Drop me a line. But that's a bit about what India is like. Okay, so back to the Galabi gang. So this gang may appear to be similar to the Guardian Angels. And some of you who remember the 1980s might be more familiar, but essentially the Guardian Angels were founded in 1979 as a way for citizen volunteers to patrol New York and prevent crime and particularly the New York subway system, was notoriously violent and crime-ridden during this time frame in the 1980s, late 70s, 80s. So the Guardian Angels were unarmed and largely did citizen arrests, kind of like a more badass neighborhood watch. Now the difference though between them and the Galabi gang is the Galabi gang will use violence, and this stems a large part from the authorities' unwillingness to act. And their unwillingness stems largely from the fact that the crimes the Galabi gang are seeking justice for are those perpetrated against those of the lower caste system, so the untouchables or the Dalits. For this reason, the members of the Galabi gang are largely from this untouchable caste and most of them are women as they are the lowest rung of the ladder. They focus their unique justice squad in support of oppressed women and their pink saris symbolize strength and unity. And saris are the clothing wraps that Indian women wear. I'll probably put some links to them in the show notes. 
And aside from the Saris, the Galabi gang also carry bamboo sticks that can be used as weapons. Seems like a good Saturday morning cartoon show opportunity to me. Whenever there's trouble, they bring sticks of justice. Gulabi gang is near. Gulabi gang! Fighting for the downtrodden with pink Sararis. Gulabi gang is here. Gulabi gang! The Gulabi gang is a vigilante street warrior justice squad putting right the wrongs perpetrated by the evils of caste. Gulabi gang! Well, where's my bowl of cereal to watch that cartoon? So when people of higher classes, or even the same class, get away with crimes like abuse, rape, etc. against these untouchable class of people, the Galabi Gang swarm. Here are some situations the Galabi Gang have been involved in. In 2007, an upper caste man raped an untouchable or Dalit woman, and the police didn't even file this incident. This sparked protest in the village, and the police were all too happy to arrest the protesters, I guess for protesting. This did not sit well with the Galabi gang, and led by head pinkstress Sampat, whom I mentioned earlier, said, and stormed into the police station demanding the police release the prisoners that were protesting and file the complaint against the rapists. The officers refused, so the Galabi gang laid hands upon the officers. Rain forth those fists of doom. Now again in 2007, the head of the Galabi, Sampat, again through the grapevine, heard of some shenanigans going on with local government. You see, there was a, a fair price shop run by the Indian government, and this is sort of like a welfare office. And the fair price shop is supposed to sell food and grains to villagers at a certain price. To all the poor people, you know, a very low price. But the rumor was that this particular fair price shop wasn't distributing the right amount of food stuff to the villagers. So Sampat, probably after watching some great Bollywood cop movies, decided to have her gang go undercover and observe what was going on. They were sneaky. And eventually, they gathered evidence and hijacked, or intercepted, two trucks that were taking the fair price grain to the market to sell at a higher price. Oh, shiznit. They were skimming off the top, you see. They were taking some of the grain that they were supposed to be selling and turning around and selling it at a market price to make more money. Well, the Galabi was like, oh, hell no, and went to the authorities with evidence and asked, nay, demanded that the stolen grains be returned back to the fair price shop and the shop owner be arrested. Predictably, though, this evidence was ignored by authorities, so of course this angered the Galabi gang, and members of the gang attacked the complacent police officers who refused to even file the incident. I presume they use their bamboo warrior sticks for this. Now, still another incident, and this was in 2007 again, which apparently was a very busy year for the Galabi, saw another incident of government corruption. 
So apparently the Banda district of India is known for its corruption. But the Galabi will not have it. They will not! So what was happening here was there was an electricity office, not unlike your power company where you live. But the officials at the power company apparently had turned the electricity off in the area, or in a specific area, demanding payment to turn the services back on. So after 14 days of this, the Galabi stormed into the office with their bamboo sticks of justice held high, clamoring for satisfaction. They wanted to speak to the men in charge, but surprise, surprise, they weren't there. But in their place, instead, were just some junior workers who were peeing their pants by now, I'm sure. I mean, that's got to be pretty terrifying, having a group of stick-wielding angry women come into your office. I know I'd pee my pants. So the Galabi had the junior workers call their bosses, but the bosses refused to come down and confront them. This, of course, angered the Galabi, and they decided to bring down the blows upon the staff who were actually at the facility. So they did that, then they took the keys and made them get out of the building, then locked the door and ran away, promising to return the keys when the power was turned back on. And the power was turned back on within an hour. So a little bit of extortion from the government, trying to get the poor people to pay them a ransom to turn their electricity back on. Very shady. So the Galabi have many cases like this in which they intervened, and they've also been known to stop child marriages, promote female literacy, and protest dowries. In India and some other religions, a dowry is given to the groom's family in the form of gifts or cash. It's a big financial strain on the bride's family, and the dowry makes females less desired because, well, you have to pay the groom's family for the burden of taking a female into their family. For this reason, dowries can lead to abuse, injuries, and even death in some cases. Now, all these are important causes, especially for the untouchables in India. And for this reason, the pink warriors have seen a steady increase in their numbers. It was reported by Al Jazeera in 2014 that the Galabi gang members numbered around 400,000 people. But I've also seen estimates around 270,000, so I'm sure the actual number is somewhere in between those. Now, the Galabi say violence is a last resort. The first step is to request the police handle the situation. If they don't, then the Galabi spring into action. The next step is to talk it out. And if that doesn't work, then public shaming is employed. And lastly, in some cases, Comeuppance is distributed in the form of beatings. But the Galabi aren't alone in their brand of vigilante justice. There are many groups in India which practice this, and one famous case from 2004 entails the public lynching and castration of a known rapist and suspected murderer named Aku Yadav at the hands of 200 women. Now, the women claimed that Aku had been getting away with raping local women for decades by bribing authorities. And after encountering a woman he had allegedly raped, uh, Aku called her a prostitute. Now, this enraged the crowd. The women stabbed him more than 70 times, stoned his face, and threw chili powder in his eyes. Then, supposedly, one of the victims cut off his junk. 
Now, this all went down on the courtroom floor of the Nagpur District Court. Brutal stuff to be sure. So, that's the story of the Galabi, the Pink Gang of India, and now you know what I know. Now, vigilante justice is oftentimes romanticized in a sort of Robin Hood sort of way, especially when dealing with the poor rising up against an oppressive caste system. But I can't help but wonder how many innocent people there are when vigilante justice goes wrong. Like the junior workers at the electrical plant, for instance, the ones I mentioned earlier. When people looked at as just a stepping stone to a bigger cause, you can see where this has a way of getting out of hand. Public lynchings by angry mobs probably isn't something we should strive toward as a society. When the ends justify the means, is it better than the injustice initially sought to correct? And while this form of vigilante justice certainly wouldn't work well in America today, in a country like India where corruption and oppression is at times horrific, sometimes taking matter into your own hands really is the only way. You see, with no reliable law enforcement or procedures in place for people to address grievances, you have only yourself and some pink-clad friends to rely on. But like Uncle Ben said to Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. And like the saying goes, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And while the Galabi gang and its followers are definitely not in the power class of India, the leader of a prominent vigilante group does have power. And that's power to mobilize and to focus the strength of an angry mob on an issue. And in a twist of fate in 2014, Sampat, who founded the gang and was also the leader of the Galabi, was relieved of her role as the leader of the gang. And this was due to allegations of her putting personal interests before the group and of financial improprieties. And that may be a cautionary tale. You can head a vigilante group, but what do you do when the vigilante group is turned on you? But now for something that will never turn on you, and that is the haiku. <laughs> Carrie Underwood got nothing on these pinkies. Their sticks are vengeful. And that's all the time this week, guys. Check out our main site for other incredible stories on IncredibleStoriesPodcast.com. Send me an email, haiku, or show suggestion, or just correct me on pronunciations I got wrong. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at IncredPod. Rate us on iTunes and peep us out on YouTube and Stitcher. For Incredible Stories Podcast, I'm Josh, and remember... The journey of a thousand tales begins with the first word. Get